Welcome to Ask Peggy About Your Finances, because prosperity is so much more than money. Brought to you by writer, speaker, and certified financial planner, Peggy Doviak. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Hello and welcome to the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak and I am a certified financial planner practitioner. This is a show for you to help you understand your money so that you can see why the stock market goes up and down. We look at financial legislation, those things that happen in Washington that impact how much money you have. In the Plan Your Prosperity section, we take a closer look at different financial planning topics. And then finally, in the Ask Peggy section, the last section of the show, this is your opportunity to ask a question to me. So if you have a question, go to askpeggy.com, A-S-K-P-E-G-G-Y.com. And if you'll click on the contact link, that will let you have a place you can type in a question, leave your email address, I'll be in contact with you. We'll make sure that everything's organized so that the answer I give on the air is educational. So let's get started with the stock market report ending April 12th, 2019. It was a pretty flat week in the market. Um, The Dow went down 0.05%, so not half a percent, but actually one twentieth of a percent. So basically it was flat. The S&P 500 went up half a percent. The Nasdaq also went up just a little more than half a percent. Gold went down 0.19%. And the May crude oil price went up 0.79%. You may have noticed that the prices of the pump have gone up a little bit. Oil has gone up on its price per barrel. And so that's leading to higher gasoline prices, along with all of the seasonal things that go on with the price of gasoline. The 10-year Treasury yield is 2.568%. And Giving you the percentage move on that is actually not terribly useful. So I think what I'm going to do going forward is just give you what the current Treasury yield is. And then if there have been any big movements by the Fed that week, I'll fill you in on that as well. Probably the biggest news, and I keep hearing it, it isn't exactly absolutely fresh news, but is that the Fed is done raising rates through the end of um, 2019 that all of the scheduled interest rates that they had planned on providing are not going to happen. I think it's a combination of factors. Although the economy is good, I still keep hearing there's a chance of a recession in 2020. Certainly, when I can explain to you why I think that's going to happen, we'll talk about it. In the meantime, it's just this kind of quiet drumbeat I hear in multiple quarters. It doesn't appear to be politically motivated. I know there's concern with student loan debt, but I'm not sure why that's suddenly becoming like a giant crisis that would lead to a recession next year. I hear that we're a little overextended in car loans. Again, I'm not sure why that would throw us into a recession. So you will hear from me when when I can actually address that in a way that I think makes sense. But in the meantime, it looks like Treasury yield is going to stay about the same because the Fed is done raising rates. 
that actually isn't stopping some political commentary coming out of the White House about why the Fed needs to lower rates. I will be totally stunned if the Fed lowers rates. There is no reason to do that. And quite frankly, if we have a big shock to the system, we need the Fed to have the rate high enough that they could actually um, do a quarter point move down and accomplish something good if we were in a bad situation. So, you know, the market is flat. We're getting into summer. I don't really know where things are going at this point, but we will see how everything goes, and I'll keep you informed more next week. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the legislative update of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And I know it seems like this section always has some huge crisis on the horizon that I'm always trying to make sure you guys know about. Today, I actually have nothing but good news. Last week, I went to the Oklahoma State Capitol with the Financial Planning Association, and we were talking to lawmakers about what financial planning is and what kind of resource we can be to the legislators. You know, a lot of people really don't understand. Um, They think financial planning is just managing a portfolio or maybe selling some insurance. And so we were talking about the comprehensive nature. And with that, you know, sometimes we can help with bills and things that are that are coming down the road. So that was really fun. If you're on Twitter, you can follow me at at Peggy Doviak, that's P-E-G-G-Y-D as in David, O-V as in Victor, I-A-K. And that is my author Twitter handle, and I have all kinds of fun pictures. There is a great picture of another female financial planner and I, and then we have two freshman house members who are both young women. And so it's really rare to get a finance picture, and it's nothing but women in the picture. So if you'd like to see that, you can go to at Peggy Doviak, give me a follow if you like, and you can help keep up with things that I'm up to in that platform as well. The next piece of financial news is Senators Dick Durbin, the Democrat from Illinois, and Tim Kaine, the Democrat from Virginia, have created a bill that is offer that is offering family caregiver support. You know, the whole concept of elder care is such a crisis. And the, um, the services and the retirement centers and the nursing homes and the memory care units are really good, but they are so expensive that many times the caregiving is falling on the family. And so this is a bill designed to provide resources and support for family members who are having to do caregiving because most of us aren't trained to be caregivers. And so when suddenly the job falls on us, maybe we're comfortable with it and maybe we're really not. This is designed to give us some tools and resources and training to help. Now, I have not read anywhere that this provides money to pay for care. This is instead providing resources for families who are already the caregivers and trying to make their lives easier and their jobs easier. And I'm really happy that this is coming to attention. I would assume this bill would pass. You you never know, but it seems like a great thing. And so I'm very, very hopeful that we'll get some we'll get some more family caregiver relief. If I ever see a follow-up to this, I will certainly share it with you because I'm I'm glad to see it happen. 
The third piece of good financial news today is that the SEC is trying to help investors become more educated, and so they've launched an education initiative.、Um, the SEC realizes, as do many people in financial services, that consumers. Really, do not understand their money. You know that's why I do the show. It's why I write books. It's why I speak because people don't understand their money. And so this is the opportunity for you to go to an unbiased source. The SEC does not have a bias against the consumer, so you can pretty much trust. I can't imagine why you wouldn't be able to trust every single thing that you read on there. And the site is investor.gov. So that's i n v e s t o r dot g o v, and that gives you tools and resources, trying to answer questions、um, for financial questions that you might have, how to plan for retirement, how to read various financial statements. Looks like a really, really great resource, and I'm very excited that it's there because the more you understand your money, the easier everything is going to be for you. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma KVOY 104.5 FM for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Plan Your Prosperity segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. And today I want to talk about charitable giving. And I know that with the new Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And the high standard deduction. Some of you may have discovered that your donations didn't actually count because you couldn't get to the dollar amount of the standard deduction. If people think that's why maybe they didn't get as much tax refund as they anticipated, that's really not what caused that. But it does lead to the possibility that the standard deduction, without writing anything down, ends up being higher than what you could calculate if you took everything that was left that you could deduct. However, this doesn't really mean that being charitable isn't a good thing. What I would possibly encourage you to look at is how close to the top of your standard deduction were you. In other words, if you had itemized, how close were you to going over the standard deduction amount? Some people are finding that if they take the standard deduction in one year and then they itemize the next year, they're able to bulk up the donations to a level that they get more tax benefit from it. So as long as the amount that you can deduct gets higher than the standard deduction, then obviously. You have tax benefit from that, but a lot of people are now discovering that they can only get to that point every other year. Still, I think it's very important to understand the tax treatment of donations, get a general sense of what you can and what you can't do, how you figure out if a charity is a good place to donate. So that's what we're going to look at today. It used to be prior to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that you could only. Make donations up to fifty percent of your adjusted gross income. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act actually raised that to sixty percent. And if you're like me, when I first heard this number, it's like well, that's insane. Who gives away half of their income? When that can become an issue is if you are a senior citizen 
and you're downsizing, and your income isn't terribly high, and you're trying to donate and give things away so that maybe you're moving to a smaller place or a retirement center or something, or maybe your mom or dad is doing that. So you need to be careful that you only have them claim the donations up to the 60% of the adjusted gross income because that's all that's deductible. Now, if you are giving donations to a private charity, and if you're not sure what a private charity is, you're probably not doing it. But sometimes um, private groups will create charities that are more for special use kinds of projects. Some of those charities have a 20 or 30% limitation. So if you're giving to a new charity, you should ask them what percentage of your AGI you can deduct. And and your reputable charity isn't going to care. And if it is 20 or 30%, they'll tell you. Most of the places you're donating, it is probably 60%. But it's a clarification that you might want to be aware of. Now, the next thing to be careful of just from a donation perspective is that you're really donating to a charity because if you itemize your taxes, you know when you make a charitable donation, you have to list the place that you're donating to. Now, in truth, I think if you believed you were donating to a real charity and it ended up that you weren't, that it was actually a scam or a fraud, I'd be kind of surprised if the IRS came back on you, but it's always good to look it up and make sure that the place you're donating is really a charity. And the IRS has Publication 78, and that would that's a regularly updated publication that gives you a fairly complete list of charities. Now, it's not totally complete, and if you look it up and you're going to look to see it if your church is there, your church isn't there. And your church isn't there because nobody's church is there, because donations to churches are always deductible, because churches have a tax-exempt status, and so when somebody calls themselves a church, assuming they've filed anything correctly, that means that your donation is there. So don't panic when you look at Publication 78 and your church isn't listed. But if it's another kind of a charity, maybe something that you got free stickers in the mail or you saw an advertisement on TV, Publication 78 is a decent place to check to see if it's there. And if it isn't there, you should probably do some more digging to try to find out really who you're donating to. Something else that people don't know is that you cannot deduct gifts of cash. So let's say it's the holiday season and you're headed for the mall and there's a bell ringer outside the door and you put a $5 bill into the bell pot. Um, That's not technically deductible. So I'm not suggesting I love the bell ringers. I really do. And I love to give to them every time it's the holidays. I actually go to the bank in advance and I get a whole bunch of $1 bills so that I can give something to all of them because I love it that much because I'm weird. But you shouldn't drop a $100 bill in the pot. What you should do is have your checkbook ready. I know there's old-fashioned checks and give them a donation of a check and put it in the bell pot because you can't deduct that $100 bill that you put in. You have to keep receipts. You have to keep canceled checks. You should get letters from places like maybe your church that you do donations to. You have to have proof. 
There used to be a de minimis amount of contribution that people were allowed to make, and they didn't have to show anything for that. That went away. That actually went away several years ago. I know a lot of people still take the deduction, but you're not technically supposed to. And if you got audited and they wanted to know about your charitable donations, if you don't have the receipts, it would be an issue. So just make sure you keep the receipts and make sure that any cash that you're giving smaller amounts of money, money that you're just giving because it makes you feel good, not because you're getting a donation or deduction for it. If you are donating household items, there's several things that you need to be aware of. The first is that you're limited in the dollar amount of each donation. So you always want to be careful that you don't make a donation to a charity of like 18 bags of clothing that are legitimately worth more than $250. Because anytime your donation value goes over $250, and by the way, if you're getting close, check with your CPA because numbers like this change all the time. And I wouldn't want to give you a bad number and have you like claim it to the penny and then discover I was off by $75. So do a little bit of checking on your own. But the last time I saw it, it was $250. And so what I do is I bag my donations up in values of less than $250. And then I make lots and lots of trips to wherever I'm donating it to. And it's kind of a pain in the neck, but if you think you're going to be able to deduct your donations, it's worth your time. You know, you can make it so you drive by it on the way home from work or something, but you don't want to have to get into valuing or appraising. You, you, want, you want this donation to go as easily as possible. Any donation over $250, you have to provide more proof than your word as to what it's worth. And if you get a really expensive donation, you've got to have written documentations and outside appraisals. That doesn't mean they're not worth making. And if you want to donate a car or a boat or an RV or some really big thing, you should get with your CPA in advance and find out what you need to get from the charity that you're donating to. They should know, but a lot of times people don't know. So go to your tax preparer and find out from them the documentation you need before you make the donation so you can get everything taken care of so that if it needed an appraisal, you can actually get it appraised while you still have it to appraise. So be really careful with that. Also, the IRS has changed and you can only donate items now that would define as good condition or better. And you need to know, you know, roughly what qualifications that means. Again, that's all out on the IRS website, but good is fairly easy to define. It means don't give away junk and take away a donation from it. Just, you know, give them good items, and then that way there won't be an issue with the quality. You want to be very careful that you keep it in small pieces so that when you're trying to do this, it's easy to value, it's easy to evaluate, and you won't have any any issues. Um, one final thing. I don't care how talented you are. You can't deduct the value of your time. Let me give you an example. 
I played the piano for years and years. I was almost a piano performance major. And then, so I played the piano for my church. And I could get like an honorarium for playing a wedding or a funeral or a special event. But just the time that I went to rehearsal, the time that I was playing in church, none of that was deductible even though I actually did get paid money to play the piano in certain events, I got money to teach piano lessons. So on a very, very low scale, I was a professional pianist. But the time that I spent donated to my church was never deductible. So when you donate your time, I don't care what you're providing. If you're a CPA and you're doing free bookkeeping, if you're an attorney and you're helping with free legal documents, the minute you're giving it, um, you cannot deduct the value of it. So be careful of that. Don't hit a deduction the IRS won't let you hit or else you know they'll notice. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. Welcome back to the Ask Peggy segment of the Ask Peggy About Your Finances show. My name is Peggy Doviak, and in this block of the show, I answer questions that you send in. Now, the questions that I answer have to be educational, so it's I'm not going to ever tell you what stock you need to buy or tell you how much money you need to save for retirement. But this is an opportunity for you to ask questions of things you don't understand. So today, the question is, Peggy, I'm trying to figure out whether or not the information that I'm getting on an investment is accurate, and I don't know how to make judgments. So what I would tell you is the financial services industry does provide a lot of information. And if you read all of the details of a legit investment, then it will, the details will be in there. And so you'll be able to find surrender fees. You'll be able to find costs associated with investments. You know, anything that's legit, if you dig long enough, you will be able to find it. Other times, however, sometimes investments look to be too good to be true. And sometimes it's hard to tell whether or not the information you're reading about something is really coming from a legitimate source or if it's more marketing. I don't know how much you guys have kept up recently with what's going on in the marketing world, but I know you've been a consumer of it. Have you ever looked at a magazine and in the middle there's this great section about a place you've always wanted to go? You know, maybe it's Jamaica or maybe it's Hawaii and it's really great and it's full color and it looks awesome and man, by the third page of it, you want to go to Hawaii. And then you look down at the bottom and it says paid advertising. And what you realize is that you've gotten hooked up into a giant um advertising article where it's not in a box. It's not obviously an ad. It looks like a magazine article, but it's actually a sale. The person who's put that in the magazine has paid money to have it put in there. Sometimes you will see this sort of um, 
what would we call it? I don't want to call it a bad word. So I'm just going to say that it, it's a bit misleading where you might see lists of the best this or the best that. Anytime you see a list, you always want to go to the bottom of the page and see if on the bottom it said advertisement. And if it says advertisement, what you know is anything on that list has paid some money. Now, there may be criteria, and I'm not saying that some of it's not legit because I do not want to say that on the radio. But what I am going to say is the people on there paid money to be considered to be on the list. Now, there's legitimate lists that are out there as well, but you always want to look for the fine print to see whether or not the person who's being featured has paid money to be featured. If you're looking at something and it calls itself a research study, you want to look and see where was the research conducted. Who conducted the research? In the world of Google, you can look up a name and you can find information about people. You know, the more credible a person is, the more you'll find online because it's not hard to create an online presence today. But you want to be sure that the research was conducted by a reasonable institution and that the research was um, carried out by people who were trained and able to do it. Typically, what happens in real research is it will give you an outcome. Typically, when someone is marketing, it ends up being a promotion. And so, you know, studies, real studies that usually say, so we found X, Y, or Z work, so therefore you need to go buy it. What they will say is we discovered 70% of the time X, Y, or Z worked, and they stop there. So one of the easiest ways to know whether or not you're looking at marketing or research is do they lead to a, so therefore you need to go buy this product, this version, that's how you know it's marketing. You need to be careful in investments what sort of time period the results, if they're showing you, oh, they made 15% from period X to period Y. Okay, you need to be sure that that is a reasonable period of time because you can cherry pick the dates and the performance returns that they're giving you are actually technically accurate, but it's a weird holding period. You know, it starts in April and it ends in September when you as the investor, is, you're probably going to hold it longer than that. You know, you want to make sure if they want to show you April to September, that's fine. It needs to be really clear. It needs to be really big. There shouldn't be an attempt to mislead you. Whatever they're doing, if it's legit, they should be able to just put all their cards on the table and everything should be all right. You also want to look at expenses and fees. You want to look at commissions that the person who is trying to get you to buy this is being paid. Realize that many times commissions are paid by a home office and that you will get a better sense of what the person made because there will often be a surrender period involved in what you've purchased, especially in annuities. So technically, you're not paying the person who sells you the annuity their commission that's being paid by home office. But then home office has put a surrender period on you to make sure that they get fees from you long enough to pay the fees for the person they paid.
So ask for clarity. What are the expense ratios of the funds? What are the holding period requirements? How much did you get paid to sell me this? Okay, from anybody, not just from me, but from anyone. How much compensation did you receive? You know, this is going to help you decide if the person really has your best interest at heart or if they really like the amount of fee they were going to get. It doesn't mean everybody gets paid. Commission is not in and of itself bad, but it should be disclosed. I mean, we all earn our living. No one works for free. But when the fees are hidden, then because you're trying to decide if it's an investment that makes sense or not. So, you know, in today's world, we hear about fake news all the time. Well, sometimes fake news isn't fake at all. Sometimes it's accurate. And then sometimes people do things that's true but misleading. And so when it comes to your money, I really want you to evaluate what you're being told, look at what you're being told, and try to decide whether or not you really think it's the best decision for you. I'm out of time. Have a great week. Thank you to Voices of Oklahoma, KVOY 104.5 FM, for the opportunity to share my ideas. Thank you also to Sports Talk 1400 in Norman for production and studio assistance. You may submit personal finance questions to the Ask Peggy Facebook page and learn more at PeggyDoviak.com. And remember, prosperity is so much more than money.